Thanks for uh, joining. We're going to be having a, a discussion here about uh, body image again and body image issues, looking at some of the aspects about how we approach our own body image and the way in which we approach other people's body images in an attempt to further the discussion as to how we can actually truly be body positive. And what we have to start off with addressing the fact that body image issues are real. We have to accept that fact. In this idea, we tend to focus the body image issues on eating disorders as opposed to body image distortion issues, which we'll be talking about here within this discussion. When we talk about eating disorders, what we're really talking about are things like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, exercise bulimia or muscle dysmorphia, normal appearance concerns, dysmorphic concerns, disordered eating behaviors, and body dysmorphic uh, syndromes. But we also take into account other conditions that might cause eating disorders to occur, things like attention deficit issues, obsessive compulsive issues, social anxiety issues, depression issues, generalized anxiety disorders, and individuals that might succumb to deliberate self-harm. So what's going to cause some of these issues to come about? What are the stats that we have to worry about? What is some of the underlying root causes that we have to address in an attempt to truly become more body positive and understand that the way in which someone looks is not an indication of their health or an indication of their ability to function within society? So let's go ahead and talk about that. Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. All right. So when we're looking at like the body image issues, most everybody talks about in terms of like the, the eating disorders. And I know that we've talked about the eating disorders uh, off recording here. But I think it's kind of important for people to understand kind of the the stats, the actual the actual numbers that we have as it relates to percentages of incidences and prevalences that we see. And so the incidence and prevalence rates are going to change based off of age groupings. And so we really don't see too much in terms of eating disorder issues. Uh, anorexia, bulimia are the typical ones that we look at in terms of eating disorder issues, we usually don't see those in, in young children. It's a fraction of a percentage. As we get into the teenage years, we start seeing a, a ramping up of the percentages uh, into uh, two to three uh, percentages in terms of the percent of the population that we see having eating disorder issues, anorexia, and bulimia. And it's about a three to one ratio between females to males based off of the, the stats that we have. Oh, interesting. The, the problem with the stats is that uh, we haven't done a lot of newer research in terms of the epidemiology of, of eating disorders, mainly because most of the epidemiologists have been worried about other, other stuff. Other mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. Um, but then as we get from teenage years into adulthood, it kind of stabilizes. Mm -hmm. And it stabilizes around 2 to 3% of the population having a recognized diagnosed eating disorder. There are some stats within there that indicate about 5 to 6% of the population will exhibit binge eating, which is a secondary eating disorder outside of the, uh, the anorexic and mm -hmm. the bulimic. Mm -hmm. And so now we have a, another kind of eating disorder caveat into all of the, the various types of eating disorders. 
So we're looking at about two to three percent of the of the population having diagnosed eating disorders. About five percent of the population have diagnosed binge eating issues, binge eating disorders. Of that, it's still somewhere in the neighborhood of about a one to two, one to three ratio between males and females. Okay. But there's kind of a there's there's really some hidden numbers in that, and most of those hidden numbers is based off of who do we actually look at in terms of having eating disorder issues and who's who are you, who are we more likely to uh, kind of point to getting treatment for those eating disorder issues. Okay. And it goes into, uh, I think it was probably like 2008, 2009, when the body positivity movement kind of started picking up in terms okay. of trying to uh, recognize that there was abnormal stresses on females in particular to look a certain way right. based off of the, the models that were being portrayed as this is what the ideal body image happens to be. And so with that, we have to remember is that, that, two to, that two to one, three to one ratio in between males and females in terms of that overall percentage of population that would exhibit anorexia or bulimia is kind of skewed because a lot of males would slide underneath the the radar as the, as the saying goes, uh, as to whether or not they would actually get treatment and be recognized as having an eating disorder. Binge eating is is a whole other issue because most people would not actually kind of seek out treatment for having binge eating because it wasn't really recognized as having a, an issue. Okay. And so even though we indicate like four to five, 6% of the population would exhibit a binge eating issue, it's kind of a, it's more of an estimate than an actual uh, empirical number. Mm. But with all of that kind of as background, that is just the the eating disorder side of the body image issues. Right. Unfortunately, that's kind of what everybody ends at. Right. But is if you look at any of the the social media posts, uh, if you look at any of like the the YouTube video, the title pages on the YouTube videos, or any of the uh, like I said the the media posts, there is a kind of a underlying almost biased idea about what is good body versus bad body sure and that leads to a whole other issue in terms of what's referred to as a distorted body image and distorted body image is nothing new uh they've they by they i mean the the social cognitive psychologists and some of the nutrition people have been studying body image issues since the 1900s. And it kind of came forward in the 1940s, 1950s, and it basically, <clears throat> it basically kind of held within the, the realm of cognitive psychologists since that point in time, in terms of, okay, we have this, this population that gets, due to social cueing, uh, cultural cueing, biological and physiological cueing, a uh, misconception about what their body image is relative to what their body image should be. In that, there is indicated 
surveys, so epidemiological surveys, that show that upwards of 50% of the population have some sort of distorted body image. And that distorted body image can be regional body image, or it could be full body image. Mm. And so that'd be like something like, uh, I don't like the way my, my arms look, or I don't like the way that my, my hips look as a body regional, or just the total, I don't like how I look relative to what everything else tells me I should look like. And so that is kind of where we're at in terms of understanding the, the statistics of what's going on. Those statistics actually will change based off of age, where there is some indication that for certain populations, that 50% can go up to 70, 75%, particularly with uh, adolescents, young adulthood. So what everybody refers to like the teenage years. That kind of time frame, that puberty time frame, particularly for females. And that has to do with social cueing and uh, media expectations, cultural expectations, familial expectations that get internalized as to, okay, this is what I should be looking like. For sure. I'd actually really like to touch on that too, because um, I had social media like my beginning high school years and um, after some time I realized that I spent a lot of time looking at all these girls on Instagram and without even wanting to kind of wanting not without even wanting to kind of feeling like I was comparing myself um, to these girls and I even even attempted it again in my young adulthood now I'm 23 and I try to go back into Instagram um and I'm really into fitness too so I'll try to look at these fitness pages because I like seeing like workouts and all that but you kind of start getting into like oh is that how I'm supposed to look like and I you know you you want to think like everybody has their own um thought of how fit they should look like and it's different for everybody but I you can tell yourself that but then you see all these girls on Instagram and you're like oh I I I thought I was fit or think I wanted to look like that Mm -hmm. so um I've unfortunately strayed away from that social media again for that for that same purpose because I felt like it was kind of unhealthy just having set those expectations because I was seeing um all these all these females. And I, I know that we do also try to, we focus on females because I do, I mean, the statistics statistics say that the females do get affected a little bit more, but I more recently also been seeing a lot of males. Maybe they don't express it as, as easily as a female might, but like my brother, um, you know, he's, um, 18 and he's starting to express those to me his body image and um, distortions, but he wouldn't probably say that to his friends or anything um, or anybody in the fitness industry. Like I'll meet somebody at the gym and they, you know, seem confident and everything at the gym, but then they'll open up a little bit and be like, you know, no, I don't feel good about myself or they'll look at another guy and be like, Oh, I want to look like that. 
I'm like, you look great. Like you're working really hard and you should feel proud of yourself for being here and, and working towards your fitness, your fit, fitness goals. Um, so it's, it's a little, yeah, it's a little sad to see for sure. But that was my experience. It's been my experience. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, part of that uh, comes into uh, how we as a society like to equate what we look like as our body as to what our fitness happens to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a, a late comedian, Ralphie May. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or if the listeners happen to be familiar with him, but he was a, a very heavy set comedian. And he used to do these, these lines about he would go to see the doctor and the doctor would be shocked that he had all of these right, quote unquote, regular health readings because he was so big. I see. And they came in the doc and it goes into a, a biasing that health professionals have, that health scientists have, that people in the gym have about, uh, oh, I see this person has excess fat. They must be unhealthy. They must be lazy. They must have all these other things. And it's it's not that. There's so many factors that come into what actually develops into our body morphology that to indicate that simply because I have excess fat, I must be unhealthy. Sure. It, it, it's a, it's a, a leap of logic that doesn't actually match with what's going on. And it goes into uh, the, uh, I think it's about two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, where I sent out a request to, to some of uh, friends, colleagues, former students. Hey, what are the 10, what are some phrases and words that you have heard that cause kind of a little distress to you around your body image? Because during the holidays, we're gathered around people that we don't normally see throughout the year. And you'll show up and this is like, oh, wow, you look so, so much better. Yeah. Because you like, lost oh, you weight. weight. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, so what? So I looked horrible before. Right. And what that does is that kind of puts in that mindset that my body image is what people see as my kind of value. Mm. And it, it's like, oh, you, you, uh, you've, you've been working out for so, so long and so hard, but I'm not seeing any results. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That one hurts. And, but what are you looking at? If I'm simply looking at the scale, a pound of muscle and a pound of fat weigh the exact same. Mm. But if I am, instead of looking at what the scale says when I'm doing all my exercising, looking at, okay, how much am I bench pressing? How much am I squatting? What's my, what's my run time to fatigue? All of those things, all those actual fitness measures are better at telling me are better at telling the story about what is my fitness what is my health more than what my body looks like and that's where and i kind of i don't know what the best phrasing is i kind of poke fun at this but i kind of point out the 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 idiocy of those kind of statements in the the header arts in the the title slides mm. to these these talks where it's just like there are two people looking in the mirror with the dream ideal body, putting those negative thoughts that everybody hears or everybody thinks they hear 
when they're not at the body image that they want. And that's because if you look at, once again, if you look at the, the title slides for a lot of the YouTube videos, particularly the YouTube videos now with everybody trying to New Year's resolution, yeah. get fit in two weeks, which doesn't happen. It's always uh, a person who has excess body fat and the person has excessively too little body mm-hmm. fat. And somewhere in that, and what, what, what most people don't realize is that we're all somewhere on that continuum. And it's the continuum that, that I put out in a uh, paper, t- first wrote it in 2010, it got published in 2012 where there's this continuum of fitness and fatness. And it's where do you fit on that fitness and fatness continuum that's actually going to indicate what your health is, not what your body image is. Okay. Because when we talk about fatness, we're not talking about what, what, how much body fat you have. We're talking about all of the factors of sedentary life, factors of inflammation, factors that uh, make it so that you're not functioning at an ideal uh, state state you're having a lot of inflammation taking place that impacts your metabolism that leads to metabolic issues that everybody likes to label as diabetes which is more than just the the diabetes issue Mm -hmm. and so when we start looking at all of these these various issues and all of these these kind of body image distortions a lot of it comes into the, there's a lot of psychology goes into it, but there's also a lot of physiology and a, a lot of, of health psychology that goes, goes into it because how we actually make statements is going to impact the psychology of how we view our body. But then we also have to look at, okay, how does that psychology impact my behavioral choices how do my behavioral choices impact my physiology? How does my physiology ultimately impact my anatomy? For sure. And so when, we're, when we start kind of delving into all of the various factors that come into play, there's a whole other issue that most people don't look at when we start looking at these, these factors. So we have like the social media factors. But we also have other factors with, that happen within our lives that we would think as, as being social that have nothing to do with media. And those are all the people that, that surround us and how we yeah. view ourselves relative to the other people that, that we have within our lives. Right. You had mentioned cultural too. Mm-hmm. And um, I, um, coming from a Hispanic household, I mean, I've always grown up to be pretty petite. So, like you were, um, I watched your video on the 10 mm-hmm. things that we don't like to hear during the holidays and shouldn't be hearing. Um, and you just said like, oh, because my family knows I've been working out for three years or so. And they kind of look at me like, oh, what happened? Did you stop? Like, I'm like, dang, no, I'm still going. And or like, like I said, as I've been petite. So um they look at me during these holidays and they're like, don't you want to gain some weight? Maybe you should eat a little bit more. And again, coming from a Hispanic household, I think they, they like to see us eat and our food isn't um, probably the healthiest. And um, so I think they like to see just like their kids and their family um, eat 
and gain weight. But if they're not saying that with me, they kind of get a little bit disappointed or they're worried about me. But, you know, um, yeah. So that's the culture. Like you said, it's it's definitely the people around you. And it might be like funny to them, but it's very, very hurtful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Def- it, definitely makes an impact. Yeah, it does. And w- within that, like you'll get the, oh, you're you're looking a little too skinny. Why don't you eat a little bit more? A little more, eat some dessert. But then at the same on the same table, you'll have the exact opposite comment to somebody else that you would look at them okay. and they say, oh, you look exactly like I look. Hmm. Oh, aren't you? You're eating a little too much. Why don't yeah. you kind of save some for the rest of us? Or yeah. Or oh, I'm just gonna have a, a taste of the dessert. Or like my cheat kind mm-hmm. of meal. I saw that one. And and so like like the cheat meal com- right. comes into comes into it, and a, a lot of that kind of cheat uh, concept, uh, it's not necessarily going to lead to eating issues or lead into uh, body uh, distortion issues. But what it does is it puts into kind of like the the back of the back of the mind, kind of. Thoughts of, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, or am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. And I know I've told this. I know I've I've told this kind of uh, story before with students. When we start start talking about eating regulation and uh, choices of of foods and stuff. But I had growing up uh, cousins that were not allowed to eat ice cream while their parents would eat ice cream in front of them, and not like a small serving, but like a full like bowl of of ice cream and what it does is it sets up that food as being taboo and what's what do you want to do when you know something is taboo you want to go and do it Mm. and so what you do is you don't you don't have a small serving you have the whole entire thing Mm -hmm. because oh it's not it's it's forbidden it's something that that is is wrong something that's bad and so if it's something that's wrong or something that's bad i want to do it because it's something i'm not supposed to be doing and i'm trying to rebel against the against the machine Mm -hmm. and and so you have you have that kind of issue within the within the, the family matrix that can set up distortion issues in terms of the the clan the cultural stuff, but at the same time, uh, it's not as, as much as it used to be, but it's still kind of there, particularly with, with older generations of like on the Hispanic, uh, Latina, Latin, uh, Latina, Latinx, whatever, uh, phrase you want to use, uh, where females are kind of like, don't do the exercise stuff. Don't play sports. Right. Don't be active. Home yeah. Be sure. home. Do do home stuff. And so uh it's kind of it's not as bad as it was, but that at the same time, that leads into okay, if I start having these kind of body distortion issues, how do I know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate in terms of like a treatment intervention? Mm. Because culturally, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not right. supposed to go and play sports. I'm not supposed to go and exercise. Right. I'm supposed to be around the house doing house stuff. Yeah. 
And then you also have other uh, factors that come into play in terms of the, the ability to have high levels of activity going on within the, within the day based off of the schooling that's taking place. Now, within the schooling that's taking place, there's two, there's kind of a double-edged sword. Because we have, and by we, I mean all of us who are trying to make a, a pro-health community in terms of what we do in terms of our research and in terms of applications, we keep pushing for more activity in the school. But now you have a secondary social interaction. That's the peer pressure interaction. And this is where the, the child that is not as fit as the other children, the child that happened to maybe overweight, gets ostracized, gets kind of secluded away from all the rest of the kids who are being active. For sure, yeah. But you also have within the PE world where instead of starting off with, okay, let's be active, let's do activity, it's everything is geared towards, okay, we're going to do and learn about this sport. And then we're going to practice that sport. And if I don't have a a self-motivation factor to want to do that thing, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pull back away from, from doing those things. And it leads to, leads to social, social exclusion. And that social exclusion can cause more psychological issues to kind of rise up because you're no, you're no longer part of the group. Right. And so that can, that can lead to other types of uh, psychological conditions, psychological issues within this bot, this uh, body image distortion or where you're the kid that's been ostracized. And I'm only, I'm bringing this up because I happen to, I'm a big fan of, of really bad movies mm. because I can turn my brain off and just kind of. You mentioned that. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a, a movie that uh, the rock and Kevin Hart did a few years ago that has happened to watch it on the, on the streaming services where the rock played this, this over fat kid in high school got picked on all the time. Mm. And he basically worked out and worked out and worked out and no longer had the, the, the fatness issues. Mm -hmm. And so you have that kind of, that same kind of setup where the kid that was kind of over fat gets picked on. And in, and in response to that, they kind of make a, a swing in their psychology that they don't want to be the fat kid that gets picked on anymore and so they do everything in their power not to be that fat kid anymore which which can cause uh, a change in their their mental approach to boots that can change their mental approach to exercise where they end up even though they don't want to recognize the fact that they're having a dysmorphic uh thought process or dysmorphic behavior they're doing dysmorphic behavior. Right. 
even though we're not, even though they may not go to see the psychologist or the psychiatrist and get diagnosed with having that dysmorphic issue. And so you have you have those factors that come into play. And a lot of those factors that we see come come up gets basically established in teenage early adulthood. But they get manifested in early adulthood through through adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so when we start looking at, okay, like that 50% of the population has some sort of dysmorphic or uh, body distortion uh, image. It's not where, they ha- where they're having actual body dysmorphia, but what they have is they set up patterns of behavior that mimic body dysmorphic behaviors. And uh, one of the things that if you are so inclined to kind of, I think they call it doom scroll through like the comments on, on, on posts and threads. Okay. And like, you'll like, you get like the, the people who are posting about like their workouts Mm. or posting about uh, the, like the uh, YouTube videos about like, Oh, do this one exercise. Yeah. Or here are the 10 best exercises you can do in order to get this. A lot of, particularly this time of the year, we're, mm-hmm. we're recording very beginning of January of 2024. A lot of them was like, oh, I needed that kind of idea as motivation to do stuff. Right. But if that's going to be my motivation to do stuff, I'm not going to do it for a long, for a long enough period of time to actually have an outcome that is uh, successful to, mm-hmm. to, to kind of make it as simple and as short as possible. And this is because all of these stories that we see don't or either misrepresenting what the science says or oversimplifying what the science says. Mm-hmm. Because we've got to remember is that eight to 12 weeks in order to get body compositional changes, three to four weeks in order to see long, in order to see sustained performance You'll get stronger, you'll get you'll have more endurance, but it's going to take a good couple of weeks before you actually see a significant change in any of those, those, me- any of those measures of fitness. And it's going to take a couple of months before you actually start seeing body compositional changes. And the problem is, is that what happens is because people don't see the changes that they want to see. Once again, it goes into that body image distortion. They basically will ramp up their efforts. They'll, instead of um, only going to eat 50 grams of protein and 20 grams of carbohydrates and 10 grams of fat, which is no, this is something that no one should be eating in terms of the total amount, I'm going to cut all that in half. And basically what they end up doing is they end up starving themselves. Right. And that basically sets up from having a distortion, a body image distortion, to actually having dysmorphic behavior. And if that dysmorphic behavior continues, then you actually end up having dysmorphia in terms of of a dysmorphic disorder or dysmorphic syndrome, where we have the eating disorders that come into play, the anorexia, the bulimia, those factors. Mm -hmm. 
And what's interesting in terms of, of those those things is it kind of goes into what what you were talking about earlier in terms of like yeah we see it a lot with with females but we actually start seeing it a little bit with the males. With the males, it's it's kind of weird because it's not just the I need to be super thin, but I need to be super thin with large with large amounts of muscle. For sure, it's where I have to look at all of the superheroes. Right. And I have to look like all of the superheroes without understanding that how those people got those bodies is not how people who don't have eight, nine, 10 hours a day to work out with the types of foods that they're eating and the other things that they're putting into their body have. And once again, that goes into that whole distortion issue of comparison where. I'm constantly trying to compare what I look like to what somebody else looks like. And this becomes very problematic because we're so we're social organisms. And in order to, in order to have social interactions and be uh, in, be liked within a group, you have to project thoughts and behaviors that everybody else in the group will accept. Mm-hmm. And part of those thoughts and behaviors can be, how do I look? And so if everybody that you're around is, oh, I'm doing nothing but vegetables and yoga, and you're over here eating steaks, potatoes, and doing nothing but powerlifting, the likelihood of you actually forming a a good cohesive group without being completely open-minded on both sides is very limited. Mm -hmm. And so like like when you're at at the gym and it's like, Oh, and someone's complaining, but oh, I'm not making the the gains. And it's like, oh, well, you're doing your you're doing great. What you have to remember is that when you're when you're using those, oh, you're doing great, you don't know what that person is is thinking. You don't know what's going on inside that that person's head. And so when we hear those things from from other individuals, it's like, it's like, I'm not getting what I want. Well, what and so what you do is you have to kind of start taking a step back okay, and question. Without becoming confrontational in the in the questioning, well, what were you expect? What were you hoping to get? Mm-hmm. Because, like, you could say, "Oh, you're you're looking great. You're doing great. You're doing." But if if my uh, psyche, if my cognitive imaging of what I should look like is not matching what I'm perceiving myself to look like, anything that you tell me, it, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to take as being lip service where you're simply just making those comments to make me feel good, but it's not really making me feel good. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to say something that you kind of brought up earlier about like the, you were doom scrolling. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Okay. I'm not, no, I- I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's Words and phrases like that, I'm, I'm not 100% certain on, but I, I know there's, a, there's a, a word where you simply just scroll looking for like the negative things, or you scroll out of negativity towards what's being projected. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I was going with it, but um, I know that I've seen like on TikTok, um, There'll be this like girl who looks great, uh, muscular, and then you'll I'll read through the comments 
and they'll be like, oh, she's too muscular. Oh, she looks too, quote unquote, manly. And it's like, it kind of sucks because like this person works so hard to get this way. And if she feels good looking like this, then why are you putting out that negativity too? So it's like, um, yeah, I just want, I've, I've just been seeing that a lot lately and I wanted to, I guess, bring that up. Cause that's very frustrating to see. Um, yeah. Cause like you said, also like the males want to get muscular and I guess the females want to get a little, skinnier um and then you see this girl who's muscular and like feeling good about herself worked really hard towards that and then people are just putting her down yeah yeah and that goes that goes into that whole social social interactions and social social media and uh i i think it was the dove soap company did a, a very large epidemiology study in 2020 into 2021 where they looked at how people perceive themselves and and based off of all of the online time that we're spending with each other now yeah how they perceive themselves and how others perceive them in a uh, online electronic non-real world mm-hmm. and what they what the study found is that there was a lower uh, acceptance of their body. They were more displeased with their body, I guess is the better way of saying it. They were more displeased with their body and how their body looked relative to what people would be saying about right. what their body, how their body looked. And what's interesting with that is, and it goes in kind of into that cultural aspect of stuff, is that there's a cultural uh, dynamic in the, coming into play as to what I should look like, what you should look like based off of cultural aspects. Sure. That kind of influences how I view my body image and how, quote unquote, distorted my body image might be. And it goes into the, and we'll, we'll touch on the, the female versus male in terms of the bodybuilder here in a, in a couple of minutes uh, about how that will impact my overall acceptance of my body and my body image. Well, thanks for joining us for the first part of the conversation that Ash and I are having about body image and body distortion issues that come about. Please make sure you're leaving us those five-star ratings. Please make sure you have subscribed and are having alerts to all of the uh, things that we're putting out there on all of the various platforms. If you have comments or concerns about any of the issues that we have brought up, please use any of the links available to you in order to communicate with professionals that are there to help you out. And if you're curious about the phrases and comments that Ash and I kept referencing to the top 10 list that was developed right before the holiday season of 2023, please check out on the YouTube. And I would love to hear what other types of phrases you have heard that can provide some sort of level of anxiety to you as it pertains to your body image 